0: Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.
1: Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got Dean Rogers with DeanRogers.com. And Dean flew in from San Diego, California, to share how he went from the NFL to 100 deals a year. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. <clears throat> if you will take consistent action, you will become one. Uh, We know you want to be a successful investor. At times you might feel frustrated or anxious because you're either not buying enough or you're not buying deep enough. I know how deflating it is to walk out of the house without a contract. We've helped hundreds of people buy thousands of houses at deep margins. Go to millionairesupport.com, talk to my team so that you will never have to worry about revenue again. If you get value today, please tag from below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. The live show, so ask your questions for the answer. Ready? Let's do it. All right. So, first question is, what was your life like before you got into real estate?
2: Life before real estate was being an athlete, Um, you know, living out the dream of making it to the NFL, and and I got to do that, right? Yeah. Um, So, before, knew nothing about real estate other than I grew up in houses and Liked what they looked like and <clears throat> saw HGTV and thought like that was cool, but didn't know that's what my life was going to lead to.
1: So before we started the show, maybe do a bunch of bands. Yeah, feeling right now. Yeah, I'm feeling.
2: You feeling a pump in the arms? Feeling R's. a little pump right now. Your this is crazy. A little Let's <laughs> see.
1: So, uh, NFL. Uh, what team? The Chargers, San Diego Chargers. Chargers. Um, it's my second favorite team. They were my team when you I told lived in- me
2: before. It was your now your first favorite.
1: It was the Cardinals uh-huh. when I moved to
2: San Diego. Okay. But you're back to the Cardinals now?
1: I have to be. Okay. It's the hometown. All right. Right? I mean, I don't love them, but of all the teams, I love them the most. Right? Okay. So uh, what year were you there? 2011-12. 11-12. What position did you play?
2: So I went I went from playing tight end in college.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: North Turner switched me to fullback. Okay. So moved me to fullback, and that's kind of where my story – Starts as to why I stopped playing football. <laughs> Are you? Were you a little thicker at that point? Then oh, dude, I was juicy. Yeah, yeah. I looked like, If you've ever played Madden mm-hmm. and you go to create a player, I looked like a creative player. Like I was just. I got a video of me walking off the field, yeah. and I just look.
1: Well, because you look like a tight end. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. yeah. So naturally, um, did you have to gain a bunch of weight to be a fullback? I didn't have to switch. I was already two fifty five. Okay. So. So you lost a lot of weight since then, then. I'm two thirty five now. Okay. So so play fullback. Didn't like that position, or just I loved it.
2: So, well, I shouldn't say I loved it. I love tight end a lot more,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I was playing really good. So, I show up right, and North Turner switches me to fullback, and I'm like, well, I'm not in the position. I'm not a, a first round draft pick. I'm not going to tell Antonio Gates to scoot over. Like yeah. that's my position. I'm going to be grateful for the opportunity. So, right. I show up and. Day one, like they don't mess around. Like when they sign you and you sign the dotted line, there's no like warm up process. Practice tomorrow, okay. right? Here's your gear, like we're going. And so I'll, I'll never forget the first day I get there, I'm nervous as hell because I went to a smaller college, UC Davis, and all the linemen weren't as massive as they are at, like, the big top D1 colleges.
1: And you're not playing against SEC. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And everyone in the NFL and the defensive and offensive linemen, like the skilled players, they're still massive, huge. But the defense and offensive linemen are insanely huge. And I just remember being so overwhelmed with how big they were that I was like, dude, am I going to get destroyed here or what? Yeah. And I woke up the next morning and was like, all right, I got this. Like, let's just show up and ball out. So uh, the first snap I'm in at fullback, we run a counter, and I come around the, off the edge, and Bob Sanders, Pro Bowl strong safety, comes flying off the edge, and I light him up. And it was just because I was like, I'm going 100%. I'm not holding back. <coughs> I light him up, and North Turner throws his clipboard. He's like, there you go, Rogers. Like, he was just fired up, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. So it was just 100% from there, just play after play. You know, showing up, doing good, and same thing in the games. Like, the games were even easier than practice. And all of a sudden, I go from (laughs) dreaming of this as a kid to a reality, and North Turner telling me, like, you're going to have a long career. And it was pretty nuts. And then? It was pretty surreal. And then I have this realization, Junior Sale kills himself that year. ESPN is talking about concussions. And as a fullback, not a tight end. At tight end, on a blocking play, you're blocking a guy one or two yards away from you. As a yeah. fullback, you're running you're ten yards people. to run through a narrow hole mm-hmm. between giant, tall linemen. And the best way to be effective is to run as fast as you head can, first. head first through that. So I started to feel it like after practices, I'd have to start icing my head. And really, for real, wow. And that, to me, scared the living hell out of me to the point where I was like, on one hand, I have my dream and a short life. and the other hand, I have some other life I haven't figured out yet, but a longer life. So you opted out. So I opted out. Whatever that pill is in the matrix, <clears> the red <throat> or blue one, or whichever one keeps you alive, I took that one.
1: Gotcha. you. That's a major decision. A huge decision. Um, I was going to bring up Antonio in case you brought him up. What was it like playing
2: with Antonio and Philip? So here's the coolest thing that is relatable to everyone else who's an entrepreneur, right? People look at you. They see you online. You're Steve Trank. Like, you got a lot of really cool stuff going on. You look at other people online, Grant Cardone, Pace Morby. I mean, I could name a bunch of people. Right. Like, dude, look how cool this person is. Like, you almost get a little bit of celebrity factor. When you sit across the table from them, you're like, oh, they're just like me. Another dude. Right. They may have accomplished more. They might be making hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Some of these players. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the club, you're boys. Right. So all of a sudden, I go from playing video games, Madden, while I'm training for four hours a day before the NFL and then playing video games the other four hours. I'm now sitting next to Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates, and we're just homies. Yeah. Like we're we're sharing stories in the locker room, you know? I was
1: thinking particularly along the lines of like tirades, right? Because we always laugh. When you see Phillips Rivers just chewing people someone lo- out. People
2: love to ask about right? Philip
1: Rivers, yeah. Because uh it's, I don't think he means that's freaking. I think he says something else. He doesn't even say frick. I don't think he means says frick. I don't even know what he says. Maybe he says right?
2: freak, I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah. But it's <sighs> just it's fascinating to see him just completely lose his mind on a linebacker, on a dirty play, whatever. Yeah. And still stay within the confines of his rules. Right. Um <clears throat> I've ever heard he's one of the worst trash talkers, like one of the biggest trash talkers in the NFL. Did yeah, he was, he was always running his mouth. Yeah,
2: and he was so in practice and games in the locker room. Like I was telling you before, in the ice bath, mm-hmm. like he was always just running a game, and whether it was like see who can hold their breath the longest in the ice bath.
1: Yeah,
2: um, or I, I was like, I couldn't believe when I saw this in the locker room. Everyone is so competitive. You've seen hard knocks, right? Right. Everybody is so hyper. It have
1: to be to get there. You have
2: to be to get there. They're so hyper competitive that one random day in the locker room, Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates see some other guys playing a game where they would toss the water bottle across the locker, see who could get it in the laundry basket, and it was a thousand dollars a throw. Well, Philip Gates and uh, Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers, they're like, well, no, we're gonna play bigger money, so they're like throwing ten thousand dollars a bottle. They get up to like three hundred thousand dollars, double or nothing. They move the laundry basket. Philip Rivers drains one from the back. He was double or nothing makes it, and runs off, or else he was paying up Antonio 300000 right. Like, And here I am as a rookie thinking, dude, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of pretty money. crazy. But
1: yeah. <clears throat> So there's something you said there that I think is really interesting that I think everyone needs to really understand. Practice was harder than the game. It was, yeah. Elaborate on that for me.
2: So in practice, right, you're, you're always, because it's so hyper-competitive, you don't just lollygag especially as a rookie like you got it right. you got to sh- you, what you put on film is what the coaches see mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is what you put on film it's not necessarily the side conversations or how good you were at the playbook what you put on film is what they see so you had to perform every time yep. no matter if it was a drill just a random drill or actual like we're doing 11 on 11 practice drills and so because of that and because you're doing that many repetitions it was intense physically mentally everything and there's trash talking going on there right. too right and i remember pancaking larry english who's in the league for you know over a decade in practice and donald driver the starting linebacker middle linebacker at the time talking trash in locker hey larry dean was saying he pancaked your ass <laughs> and was telling everybody about it. i'm like i didn't say anything like i Hey, whatever happened on the play happened, but I no. I just did what I did. And so, like, there's always this competitive edge to it.
1: Well, I bring this up because one thing I talk about in our sales training is the importance of practice. Yeah. Right? And what we always say is that NFL players don't get paid for the 60 minutes. They get paid for practice. They get paid for sleeping well. They get paid for eating well. So true. And not going crazy in the offseason and gaining a bunch of weight. Yeah. Right? So that's what you get paid for, and then the byproduct is the is the income.
2: Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So I'm glad to hear from someone that's been in the NFL to say the same thing because it's been fully th- really theory until <laughs> yeah. so you. When you get in the hear- game,
2: right, and you've put in the repetitions, you know how to run the play. You, as long as you just didn't mess up the play, you usually get the result. Right. And you're like, oh, all well, that practice led to getting that result, and it, and you might have just executed on it a couple times in the actual game, and it's a lot easier, right?
1: Right. So So you opted out of
2: the NFL. Yeah.
1: Concerns about concussions, which makes total sense.
2: Yeah. What did you do right after that? So right after that, I had a good friend from college, Ryan Troy, who hit me up. He knew I was done playing. He said, hey, what are you up to? I got an amazing opportunity that I think I could walk you in the door, software company in the Bay Area, and it sounded like the perfect thing that I would want to do when I knew football would be done. And so he basically walked me in the door, got me an interview, got the job. And I didn't look back, right? When I was done with football, I, I could have gone down the journey. Do I go to another team? Do uh, to, to try to be tight end, right? Do I do something else? I just I knew that when my eyes were opened about the concussions, like it just I couldn't do it anymore. Even though I'm sure you've seen ballers on HBO, mm. even though the lifestyle <clears throat> can provide amazing opportunity. I mean, people treat you like a celebrity everywhere you go. It's pretty nuts. But to to transition out of there, I said, I'm not looking back, I'm just moving forward. My buddy walked me in the door, got me the job. And to me, I I almost laughed how easy it was because I was spending all hours of the day training and like you had to be so physically and mentally prepared because you're performing On stage in front of 80,000 fans, and they're all looking at you to catch that ball or to make that block or to do whatever it is, right? Or they're ready to judge your next mistake. Or they're ready to rip you to pieces, right? So, being prepared for that environment and then going into uh, an office desk job and typing on the keyboard, I was like spinning in my chair, like, this is a (laughs) joke. This is so easy. And I had all this energy. So, I just put it into it and I busted my butt and told myself, okay, I went from the seven figure contract to the $65,000 salary. It's okay though. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I'm worth more and I'm going to get a big pay increase after the first year. I mean, what were you doing? I was working for a software company. You are a programmer, not a programmer. So to make a, a long story short, it was like a consulting position, okay. but it was like a startup within a startup. Okay, we all had right. this secret project we were working on. All
1: right, so sixty-five thousand. Sixty-five thousand. Your You're gonna make a hundred something um, for sure.
2: I'm gonna finally hit six figures, and I'm gonna get into that game of providing well enough to make it to the next level, climb the ladder, all that stuff. Right. Congratulations, Dean. You busted your butt. You're gonna get an increase to sixty-seven thousand dollars, and that's where the light, like, I was. So pissed off, I was so pissed, and I felt like my my value, my worth wasn't realized, and that I was not in the right position to create that freedom. I had this amazing dream of of the NFL creating like I got my whole family, everybody's going to get a house type of thing, right. and now, how can I provide for even my own family yeah. and so for me i I went what a lot of people probably have done, I went and thought about what are the things that I like? I remember Dean Graciosi late night infomercials. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember Love It or List It, watching it in the living room with my parents, and like, I like real estate. Right. But I went to Google and I typed how to get started in real estate, and I found Sean Terry's Flip to Freedom podcast, the first thing that showed up. Godfather for all of us. The godfather. <clears throat> and he was one of maybe two or three people talking about real estate investing, how to get started with little to no money. Right. And for me, going again from the seven-figure contract to the sixty-five thousand dollar salary in the San Francisco Bay Area, things got tight pretty quick. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so I I I said, well, this, this is like the perfect thing. And I remember listening to that podcast and just the energy that Sean Terry had and all this stuff, I was like, this is my guy. Yeah. This this guy gave me energy, right? Uh just his morals and ethics, and you know, he was a god believer, and like he was helping people that were janitors or, or pest control people and changing their lives. So I'm like, dude, I can just apply my energy and my effort, this is gonna work. And I followed what he did. Now, this is a free podcast mm-hmm. just with audio, I had no, no YouTube, no visual like this, it was just audio. And I remember obsessively listening to it and followed what Sean was saying. My first deal was on a strategy he was talking about, he was doing. Mm -hmm. Getting, um, placing offers on hudhomestore.com. We could place offer on foreclosure properties. And I got a property under contract. I had to, within 48 hours, send in a $1,000 deposit and sign contracts. Mm -hmm. And then I had 30 days to close. I tried to find buyers, couldn't find a buyer. I got smart, thankfully, and I went to his, Sean Terry's website and filled out the information like I was a seller. Remember those? So then his acquisition person called me, told him what was up. I had it under contract, trying to wholesale it. He's like, dude, Sean can help you. Got on the phone with Sean Terry while he was driving his car. He's like, yeah, man, I'll totally take care of you. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> he got it sold it within a couple of days, made 12 grand. We split it. I made six grand. Nice. And that was in, within Three months of the first day of me doing that Google search.
1: All from information from the
2: podcast. All from the podcast. Nothing else.
1: So that must have opened your eyes.
2: Big time. So what did you realize? Like I could do it over and over and over right. again. And it was possible. And that was, I think that's the biggest moment for most people is first taking the actions to, to do their first deal and realizing there's more opportunity. But then closing that first deal, you just. It's a pivotal moment that you just have that breakthrough. Gives you that belief. Gives you that belief. How about your second deal? How did you continue that momentum? So I did a couple more deals doing the exact same strategy with Sean Terry, co-wholesaling it in in Phoenix, Arizona. And then as I'm living in San Francisco, uh, working the corporate job, I took some of that money I made and put it into direct mail marketing, what Sean Terry was also teaching, Mm -hmm. in the market I grew up in, in Central California. I was living in San Francisco. The houses were big, expensive, they scared me. I didn't understand why they were so expensive, but I started looking at my own market and my own backyard where I grew up. And And where exactly is that? That's in central California. So some of the bigger cities, Fresno, Visalia, Bakersfield, those areas. And those are price points I understood. Two, $300,000 houses, and the neighborhoods look all pretty much the same or similar. Track homes built in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies and so on. So I was like, "This I can do." So started yeah. direct mail marketing in between lunch breaks, after work, on the way to work. I was I was taking calls, calling back voicemails.
1: When was this approximately?
2: This is in two thousand uh, fourteen and fifteen.
1: Two thousand fourteen. After you closed your first bunch of deals and you started doing direct mail, yeah. How
2: much longer did you stay at your job? Uh, for still for years, and that's <clears throat> one of the biggest things. That I like to preach to people is a lot of people think they have to burn the boats. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but some people believe they have to burn the boats to be successful. But if you can find yourself in the right position, you can create flexibility to where you still have that safety net, but you can still go out and chase your dreams and create that. I mean, there was a guy I spoke to and interviewed yesterday on my podcast. He had been in his corporate job for 25 years and he just ended. Several months ago, that job. Meanwhile, he's raising seventy-five million dollars for a reggae uh, fund that he has, and buying mortgage notes
1: mm-hmm. from people there. What's that? From people at that job? No. Well, <clears> oh, <throat> you might want to explain what a reggae is for everyone that's listening.
2: Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to proclaim to be an expert, but basically, I just don't it's, want them
1: thinking it's music. What's that? I don't want them thinking it's music.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> reggae. Thank you. So regulation A fund, as he explained it to me, is where he can go raise money from both accredited investors and non accredited investors and is able to do marketing. So there's different funds that allow you restrictions or no restrictions. This is the least restrictive fund. And he's able to raise seventy five million bucks, up to seventy five million bucks within that fund.
1: So did you have any struggles along the way as you're growing your your real estate business? Oh, yeah. What were some of the struggles?
2: I like to talk about the struggles because I'm almost proud of them because of where I'm at now, right? If I had had the struggles and stopped, like I think probably a lot of people do, unfortunately, um, the real reward is by not stopping and the real success is earned by not stopping. So for me, after that first year, doing a couple deals with Sean Terry, doing a handful on my own in my local market, I had stumbled upon my business partner. A business partner, his name is Luis Mota. He's a real estate investor, Central California. Had already been doing deals, already had success, thinking anything he touches is gold. That's what he tells me now. Mm-hmm. And I had wholesaled him a couple deals. And he's like, hey, you're really good at what you do. You want to flip houses together? I was thinking, yeah, sounds like the next thing I want to do. I just joined Fortune Builders, mm-hmm. so took all their training. I'm an expert now at flipping houses. Of course. I'm ready to go. And... um, so he's like, hey, things are slowing down in Central California. You were doing stuff in Phoenix. How's the market out there? You want to flip houses there? Yeah. So here I am thinking I know enough about Phoenix to go flip houses. Right. So I call up one of my contacts who's a realtor. He says, yeah, I'll find you houses. He brings us houses, shows us the comps. The numbers look great. Let's buy them. We get a contractor. We meet him in person. We fly out here. Eh, he looks good enough. We make all the rookie mistakes of trusting the comps of the realtor without doing enough due diligence, trusting the the contractor without calling one reference Mm -hmm. that would have said he sucked. And the punchline is lost $100,000 on my... So we bought six houses in a month and a half.
1: All from that realtor?
2: All from that realtor. Four of them we made money, normal deals. The first two we bought... Horrible. Like the contractor work, horrible. Had to redo all of it. The comps, great on this side of the street. This side, where our house was, not Mm -hmm. good. And lost $100,000. For me, that was a huge setback. And I didn't have the money to pay it. So So what'd you do? Well, I could have tucked my tail between my legs. Or I could have just said, all right, put my pants on tomorrow and get to work. So my partner's like, hey, man, what are we going to do here? I was like, let's go get more deals. So, went back to our market, mm-hmm. got out of Phoenix, and started finding deals, more flips, making money from those, and was like, all right, I'm out of the hole now.
1: Did you see the guy with the IV in there? Was that you? So, yeah, we had, a, had the IV guy come in today, <clears throat> struggling, as you can tell. Yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, uh, quitting is not an option. It's like, we have a guest in town. Got to make this work. Right. Pull out all those stops. Professionals professionals
2: play hurt, man. Right. And for you, from one athlete to another, (laughs) I know that you weren't going to quit. I saw those (laughs) posts this morning while I got off the plane. I was like, Steve with an IV? I'm like, he's going to be there, though.
1: Going to make it work. Going to make it happen. (laughs) So what are some of your victories? I mean, we talked about your early victories, but what were some of the crowning achievements, things that you like to brag about?
2: Yeah. So at first, you I had had that first struggle. Then I went from getting out of that hole and getting traction and momentum and really building a real business, making real money. Then I had another setback I think is worth telling because the lessons I learned, as painful and as expensive, more expensive that they were, 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 are worth sharing. And the next lesson was to do your due diligence like I should have on the first one. But to really do your due diligence. And just because someone's in your circle mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're, they're the right person. Right. Because they might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So the next mistake was a guy in, in San Diego market. I was wanting to do flips there because San Diego market's sexy. Oh, yeah. HGTV style stuff. So I'm like, well, I want to break into this market while well, I'm also doing stuff in Central California. And there were some trusted people within the, the circle Doing deals with one of the guys. And he's like, Hey, I got this new construction deal ready to break ground as soon as you buy in. I just want someone to do the deal with. Two houses next to each other. I'll do one, you do the other. Showed me the numbers. I didn't verify anything. Like I didn't call the architect. I didn't call the engineer. I didn't call the hard money lender who was already set up and ready to fund the whole thing. I didn't call anybody. It's almost embarrassing that I did no due diligence. I just put all my faith and trust because I wanted to do that next deal and make the money that was projected so bad that I was willing to just blindly have faith. And as soon as I bought into that deal for 185,000, a piece of dirt, I quickly found out that it was house of cards and the architect, the engineer, the hard money lender, none of them had been paid. The money that was tied to my piece of property, Mm -hmm. money had already been withdrawn on fake receipts, like it was sick, nasty. It was just bad, criminal stuff. And turns out the house of cards fell really deep for this guy, he ended up having like dozens of lawsuits and millions of dollars he screwed over on people. The short story for me was if I would have made one call, one phone call to the engineer, the architect, the hard money lender, they would have said, oh yeah, this deal isn't good and I would have saved myself losing $187,000. And at that time, was not a good time. I had so much money in my flips, and it hurt really bad.
1: You know, you say it's embarrassing. I have made multiple stupid decisions. It wasn't, the number wasn't the same. Yeah. But one simple reference check. One. One simple phone call. Yeah. It's taking me, now 43, Took me 43 years to now finally make one more phone call. Just ask. It's almost too obvious. Where could this go wrong? Because we're just trusting, especially if it's a referral, mm-hmm. right? Like if Dean says this guy's the guy, hey, Dean's a good guy, right? Right. I'm sure this guy's it'll good. It'll work. It'll work. Not only will it work, it'll be a slam dunk and nothing can go wrong. Right. Took me a really long time, right? So I made some massive blunders. In the last few years, that although the numbers don't match up the same, I feel every bit of stupid. Yeah, for making those mistakes. Yeah, so I totally
2: get that painful mistake, but um, <clears throat> it's something I had to learn, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we talk about NFL to 100 deals a year. Yeah. So how many years did it take from you to go working from NFL to working that uh, startup? when you were able to do 100 deals a year
2: yeah so first year i probably did eight deals um second deal or second year um probably did 20 or so um then we started scaling right after i made the big mistake then we did about 40 then we scaled it to about 50 then we got it to about 70 and then we got it past 100 right so i was probably five years in to finally hitting a hundred um and at that point we were just flipping We were only flipping houses
1: you were flipping 100 a year yes that's no small feat no a lot easier to wholesale 100 houses a year Uh, a lot easier
2: (laughs) um and i think what as part of my career my journey when we scaled it to flipping 100 it i felt broke all the time yeah because the next you know i'd be flipping 20 houses at a time and as one deal closed, more money would go out for the next couple flips, right. right? So it was just this conveyor belt of cash and always feeling broke. And then all it took was 2018 in the fall, interest rates had jumped up one month and the market kind of took a pause back. Slow down a little bit. Slowed down a little bit. And I remember having 20 plus properties in inventory and scaring the crap out of me. Mm. And I told my partner, I'm like, we're really good at finding deals. These flips are too small margin to, like, to be doing this. Let's let's focus on the deals that are easy, <clears throat> that we can get in and out of. We'll flip those, but all the other ones, let's wholesale. Right. So we pivoted to anything that penciled. That's around the same time, 2018, started buying rentals. The light bulb went off at the same time of cash, always feeling poor. I need to create wealth, too. So we started buying rentals since 2018 sort of wholesaling majority of our transactions, um, a couple fix and flips at a time, and then anything that made sense as a rental.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people that are flipping, I'll, I think a lot of us, and I'm not, I've never been a great flipper, but there's this idea of like, or this this thought that goes to your mind, I'm making a lot of freaking money. Where is it? Yes. Right? Yeah. It's just like every time this flip closes, and yeah, you made twenty k or fifty k in this one. Along the way, I think as entrepreneurs, we can't help ourselves. We commit to two more flips. Yeah, so. I think part
2: of my problem was too, is getting caught in doing more deals. So the margins that we had on those deals, we were willing to buy a deal that said fifteen or twenty thousand dollars on paper. Mm-hmm. Now the price points were low price points. We were feeling comfortable. We couldn't really get hurt. And sure, a couple of those we lost some money, 10, 15, 20000 um, but when the reality is you have too many projects, you go over time over budget, the 15 or 20 on paper turned into twelve, ten, eight, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Okay, I might have done twenty deals, made a couple hundred thousand dollars, but all my money is out in more projects.
1: Right. It's always out, it's always out on the streets.
2: Yeah. Always out on the streets. Now, if every one of those deals was making fifty or or $100,000, it would have been a whole lot different story, right? right. Um, but for that, that's when we shifted to more wholesaling, and we started making more money. Not only having more money in the bank, but actually making more money per
1: deal. So this might seem like a really simple question, but what did you have to change to flipping a lot to wholesaling? Wholesaling a lot.
2: Yeah, nothing from the marketing standpoint. We were already doing that. We just had to shift our focus to, we're, we're in marketing and sales now. We're not in marketing, sales, and construction. And the f- easy flips we did, they were easy. and take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get really focused on being good at our sales process and building our team, started hiring people. And that's when things really started to become a business Rather than us just grinding, going through those flips,
1: Did you start doing a lot more transactions that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what what other processes did you actually have to change? Did you do more marketing? You.
2: So over the years, more, more dispo, marketing.
1: Yeah. Or create more relationships, or some some of those other transitions.
2: Yeah. So, for us, I think the biggest things that have happened over the past couple years is realizing that. For us to get where we want, continue to get the results as a business owner, is I needed to be a business leader, right? That yeah. was a big shift because to go from hustle mode and being the one grinding it out to now having to lead people is a whole different skill set. So I had to look myself in the mirror and understand I need to learn the skills around leading and um, and providing training, like Steve train training. Mm-hmm. We bought your sales training, right? Because we needed support and we've done additional training and and continue to reinvest so that we can dial in our sales process and see how that transforms our business. As a result of doing that, we've definitely gotten things dialed in, understand what works, right? Um, I'm now coaching and training other students in Mm -hmm. real estate and how to be successful, do their first deal or scale their business. So um, yeah, that's been the biggest thing over the past couple of years and as a result, We have a real business down. We have a real process and it's repeatable. It's predictable and a lot more enjoyable too.
1: Was there any resource that you liked in particular for leadership training?
2: Um, not in particular, I'd say I kind of pick stuff from a lot of different people and I'd say most of it has come from my network. So I think that's going back to what are, what are some of the biggest things in the past couple of years when, uh, when the scamdemic happened right, and we had to stay at home and you could only be on your phone, I really relied heavily on more outreach. What's funny is around that same time, in February of 2020, I had started a meetup with the idea that I wanted to connect and meet more people. And February 2020, had that first meetup. We had about 100 people at our first meetup. It was amazing. Great turnout, lots of energy. March 2020, next month, ready to go, meet up, March 13th or something like that, about ready to get on my flight, and it's canceled. Everything in the world shuts down. So I'm thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to connect with people? I just had this idea that I needed to connect with more people and, and try to add value to more people because that would bring more relationships and everything like that. How am I going to do it now? So I went to social media, and when I went to social media, I was intentional about, okay, I want to help people. I want to show them what I'm doing and how I'm being successful. So I would share value, and then it was, I want to share results. Okay, people like to see results. Cool. And then it was like, well, I can help you with Mm a deal, right? I can help you do your first deal or maximize a deal you're not sure what to do with, right? And that turned into what we call our friends with benefits program so that's where we'll actually interesting name interesting name so it's and it all kind of stemmed from i would share the results of doing a deal with somebody mm-hmm. and i would say i love doing deals with friends like who doesn't like to make money with friends and i was like well it's kind of like friends with benefits right so uh started that that grew to last year we did a million dollars in revenue just from the friends with benefits program oh. And that was just through the power of reaching out and giving value to others and having that abundance mindset of, like, if I'm going to do everything I can, even if you just have a qualified lead, I'll help my team. We'll work on it, work with the seller. We'll negotiate the deal, get it on a contract at a good price. We'll dispo it, sell it at top dollar. Like, we'll help you do a whole deal, and we'll split it with you 50-50. A lot of people were thinking, wow, that's too good to be true. Are you sure?
1: This is almost like excuse me, when you first connected with Sean Terry.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So it's come full circle for yeah. me to where now at the point where I'm coaching and helping people and I have the Friends with Benefits program, I've realized over the past two years of starting on social media with, you know, the the meetup that I started and the, the idea of I just want to give value to others and share what we're doing and how we're having success. It's evolved into this just law of attraction to where we're actually doing more business, more relationships, right? I joined the yeah. mastermind that you're into, right. Family which mastermind. is why, why I'm here, right? because I joined that mastermind. And I joined that mastermind because a good friend, Tony Javier, who's been mm. on here, connected me with Matt Andrews, the yep. guy who runs the mastermind, and said, hey, I think you guys should connect. So the past couple years, the relationships that I've built has evolved into a better business and way more opportunities.
1: So <clears throat> before we jump deeper into this, we're talking about leadership. Yeah. Did you find your experience in sports helped you in a leadership component?
2: A 100%. So I think in sports, what you'll find is there's good coaches and there's bad coaches, right? And you can spot it pretty quick and you can feel what that's like. It's not just something you, you see or you hear. Like You can feel whether they're a good coach or not. And a lot of that is about their passion, how they're showing up, and what they're doing or not doing. So I think by seeing that and then seeing how a locker room reacts to the way the coach is acting and talking um, and can rally the players together is a lot of what I try to bring. Right? I try to bring that energy of like, let's go freaking do this. Right? right? Do you want a coach before the game who's going to fire you up and get you motivated, or one that's like, "All right, guys, just give it your best." That's probably me. <laughs> that's you. I'm the one, I'm the one
1: that's going to make sure you practice really hard, and you can't screw up on the field. Yeah. And then I get out there and show them what you got. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be the one to fire you up. I'll probably bring in someone else to fire firing up. I'll bring okay. you in. Okay. Okay. There we go. But I'm the one, I'm going to be the one that's super anal. In detail. Super focused. On training. Yeah. Right? We're talking to the coaches. He's lifting the way he's supposed to be lifting. Um, What's really cool is I actually have a friend, Oliver Ross, who was a starting left tackle for the Cardinals and for the Patriots. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to protect Tom for a bit, right? Yeah. And he said it was just two totally coaching, two totally different coaching styles. Belichick, he just didn't care what you did, Mm. right? As long as you knew your role, as long as you knew who you're going against, knew what their best move was, how to counter that, their second best move, how to counter that, right. As long as you're prepared for your next game, you really didn't care about much else. Whereas Danny Green, my way, my way is the only way, and it's it was ran like a dictatorship. You can see the different results, right? Right, Cardinals versus Patriots. Yeah. So, um, so right now you're saying what's been the best for your business today is the Friends and Benefits program,
2: hands down, no
1: doubt. So, if someone that's listening to this today wants to replicate that, how can they replicate this this model? Yeah,
2: so that's that's one of the most exciting things that I like to share with people is you're you're either the new and unexperienced investor or you're the seasoned experienced investor, right? Has all the skills, maybe the, all the resources, right? Both of you have an opportunity to work together. Both of you can add value to each other. The, the n- new unexperienced investor might not believe that, but I'm here to tell them that they do, right? And and here's where the magic happens, and here's what I realized as the seasoned experienced investor with resources is the new unexperienced person, a lot of where they go, ro- go wrong is – they just want to buy Steve Trang coffee. They want to pick your brain, right? Um, how can we get lunch? You, you're too busy.
1: Send them to a calendar link. <clears throat> yeah. They're worth it to buy it.
2: Yeah. You're, you're too busy. You don't yeah. have time for that, right? And it's not to say that their time's not worth it, but like you got to focus your time and prioritize. I can't them. afford to do it. You can't afford to do it, right? Where there is a lot of value that new, unexperienced investor can bring is by bringing a deal sounds kind of obvious, mm-hmm. but I think people kind of miss the point. Like how do you get the experience seasoned Steve Trang? Uh, how do it get your attention? Bring a deal. Here's a lot of value. Like we're going to exchange serious value. There's going to be dollars made right. together. Like when I brought Sean Terry a deal, he got on the phone with me. Right. Nobody. I'm a nobody at that point. He got on the phone with me, called me from a cell phone in the car because I had a deal, and he turned it into a deal when I couldn't right. That's where the value is for the new unexperienced person is go find deals. that's it mm-hmm. don't don't spend your time, you know, building business cards and figuring out your LLC name. Go find a deal. I had nothing established at that point other than took action. and I brought a deal, Sean, and there we go. We started a relationship. We did more deals as a result, right same is true as the seasoned experienced person with resources, the best way to grow your business is to go add value to other people. You have a lot of value to give, so go do it without expecting something. And so that could be on social media, could be at meetups, it could be a lot of different areas. And and I wouldn't recommend going and getting coffee with people because that's a time suck. Mm -hmm. But if you can add value to others just through text or social media or meetups, People are going to be attracted to that because they see that you're a a giver, and there's going to be that exchange that happens. And that's what happened in our business, and it grew like crazy. So putting out this,
1: I guess, a large net for people to jump into, probably the question then is, how do you create this this net that's attracting people? How do you get people to join? How do you get people to they want to connect with you. Why, why should I connect with Dean? Right? Like I'm on Instagram. Yeah. What's compelling me to connect with Dean?
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is if you're just yourself, people are going to either like you or they're not. And so for me it was, Hey, I'm in my market. I want to support my market. I want to give value to my market. That's why I started the meetup. Um, now I'm sharing what I'm doing on social media. I'm, Inspiring people. I'm, I'm answering questions. I'm helping them out, helping solve problems that they're going through with their leads, and that starts to spread, right? It's that organic marketing called word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And people, when they say, "Hey, I got this deal. What do I do with it?" Call Dean, and so that's that's how it happened,
1: really. Right. And it's it's simple. It's not a secret. It's not a secret. John's done it. Yeah. <clears throat> Face has done it a lot. A lot, a lot. Uh, Jamil is actually, he reached out to me the first time as a lead, a Zillow lead, but I always reached out to him first because he was the one that you know, brought me under his wing and answered my questions. Mm-hmm. So it's not a secret. Is there anything you're doing differently or above and beyond that's separating you from the other people with following in your, in your market?
2: Yeah. Um, I'd say the biggest thing that you would see when it comes to athletes or top performing entrepreneurs is it's just about that consistency that we talked about. You know, there's, there's going to be people that can get similar results. They could go to other people, but it's about who can help you not only now, but continue to help you and who's going to be in your corner. And one of the things I wanted to mention, I know we talked about it before, is you're what, what you guys have done in Arizona, the whole idea of collaborating over competition, mm-hmm. is something that I, I've been really passionate about in helping to build in Central California. And so I wanted to take a little time to talk about, um, so myself, I started that meetup, right? Uh, Stratton Brown, he has his own meetup in Central California. And then Jason Pritchard has his own meetup in Central California. So similar to how you guys have been collaborating, we started collaborating and um, it didn't happen until I remember in 2021, uh, Jason had a meetup one week and I had mine the very next week. Usually you want them spread out like a month. So you don't have people mm-hmm. saying, I just went to one, I don't wanna to go to another one. Right. So um, I remember getting on the phone with, with Jason Pritchard and Stratton Brown and saying, guys, we gotta collaborate in 2022 and let's plan out, let's you know, uh, cross promote each other and let's do co-hosted events. And so over 2022, doing a couple co-hosted events and having several hundred people come to these, these are free events, right? Um, We're not looking to make any money from it. It's it's grown to the point where just two weeks ago, we had an event that we called Collaborate to Dominate, and that started from the last co-hosted event we had. We had Michael Zuber and Ty Leon Guerrero show up to it, and they said, hey, we love what you guys got going on here. Let's let's do an event together. Mm-hmm. So we all five got together and Ty has relationships with Pace and Jamil. So he sent them a text. They're like, dude, we love Fresno. We love collaboration. Let's do it. So we got them on board to come to the event. And then I sent a text message to Henry Washington, co-host on Bigger Pockets, amazing story of how he got started. And he's like, I'm in. So we within a week sold out 600 plus tickets to this event. All the money is going, we charged so people would actually show up because there's only so many people that could be there. And um, all the money went to a local charity, right? We didn't want to make any money from it. And it was all about, the theme was collaborate to dominate. And every single one of us on stage had made, has made millions of dollars with the concept of collaborating mm-hmm. and doing deals with other people right? You guys in Arizona talk about squatting up all the time. And so we're trying to preach that message and have, as a result, created a similar community in Central California we're super proud about. And what it's developed to now is Jason Pritchard, Stratton Brown, and myself, we're going to work together to kind of do a roadshow like Pace and Jamil did and go speak at other meetups. So one of the, the shout outs I wanted to say is like, hey, if you got a meetup, you want us to speak at we want to come talk about collaboration because it's powerful and you guys oh, it's you guys very powerful you guys laid laid the 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 tarmac down for us you guys laid the the road work for what that looks like and so we're trying to create something similar
1: and I, I think that's awesome <clears throat> i saw what pace and jamil have done with it i think it's fabulous yeah if you guys can just continue uh spreading that message yeah i think that's incredible uh so you talk about stratton Stratton and I are collaborating on something else nice so it's a secret you guys have to stay tuned I love that Um, but did he share with you what he and I joke about the basketball so you saw I commented from one professional athlete to another yeah 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 right so he tried out he was on a practice squad or tried out for an NFL team Mm
2: -hmm. did you know that yeah 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 he told me
1: so we make that joke that he's basically an NFL player <clears throat> and I tried out for the ASU basketball team. Did you? I did. It was not good. <laughs> but they had walk-ons. You you just never know, right? Yeah. Well, it was a disaster. Anyway, so I joked to him, like, I'm basically an athlete. Yeah. Right? So I was just asking if you guys have talked about that because he and I kind of laugh each other. That's why I said, like, from one athlete to another, Yeah. it's an inside joke we've had going on for
2: Well, I got a years. new inside joke about basketball and being an athlete is, you know, we got to bring it up at some point. Now, what what better time than now? Sure. When I interviewed Carlos Reyes, he said he was a baller. He was good Mm -hmm. at basketball. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, you know, a game that took place. There was a game that took place. Carlos Reyes and the Mexicans Mm -hmm. against Steve Trang and the Asians. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, some things went down. Um, We're a little competitive. Yeah, how'd that go? Well... We lost the
1: first game. That's what he said. Um, we were up at halftime, and then the what do you want to call it? The ringer brought it from Mexico. Mm. The guy played professional ball in Mexico. Okay, and he got hot in the second half. Okay, so we lost by a little bit when the when the clock was out. I don't take losing well, so they're like chilling, laughing. I walk up to Carlos like, let's run it back. Well, this guy stayed hot, so we lost way worse the second game. Yeah, but I think the things that he remembers is I got a little angry. He said it got physical out there. Uh, no one gets hand ones on me. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. <laughs> That's just the way it is. No hand ones. There are no hand ones, right? I'm going to foul you, I'm going to get my money's worth. Wow! Right, so return an effort. Okay. Right? <laughs> um, Xavier, a major, is a good friend of mine. We play basketball every, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Last Christmas Eve, right, 24th, he tried to dunk on me on a fast break, right? It's so a one-on-one. He he got up. That's probably one of the best jumps I ever got, right?
2: You, you got up, too? I got up, too. Wow. I, right above his elbow. I Well, I got to comment on this, too. <laughs> I saw a picture of you this morning. Yeah. Working out mm-hmm. it was only of your knees down. You had some serious calves. Yes. Some serious calves.
1: Yes. So my trainer's like, we're working on the trainer's like, hey, we need to, next time we do this exercise, we need to take a picture of this. I was like, why? She's like, this right here, <clears throat> for whatever reason, this exercise more than any other, like. It was impressive. It looks ridiculous. like, all right. It was impressive. So uh, the secret here, right? is have a big stomach, right? Carry more weight. If you're, if you can just carry more weight in your stomach than your legs. Yeah. That's. It works out. That's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. So, you put in here, you know, Steve Trang versus Carlos. I'm waiting on Carlos.
2: I'm waiting on Carlos for a one-on-one. You ready for a rematch? I am ready. Now, is this a one-on-one, or is it Steve Trang and the Asians versus Carlos Reyes and the Mexicans again?
1: I don't think that's a fair
2: matchup. Because of the ringer?
1: Because of the Asians. Oh, okay. Average height's not so good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but we actually, we talked about it. So, uh, we're going to set up a five-on-five. I will say, Carlos, if you're watching, balls in your court. Dang. We're ready. Dang. Okay. Right? I mean, we're practicing, right? I'm playing three times a week. So you said
2: Monday, Wednesday, Friday.
1: I have 30, no exceptions. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> one thing we also want to talk about was you mentioned something about CRM. Yeah. What's what's the story with, with the CRM?
2: So I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what CRM worked. As a matter of fact, for the first like five or six years, I used Google Sheets and color coordinated. Like, if you can make it work, you you can make it work. Um, it' not recommended, right? Because it's all manual, all painful. Um, I know you're using Left Main, mm-hmm. right? I haven't gone down that route. Um, I tried Podio several times, failed because it was just uh, customization nightmare for me. I ended up with ReSimply, mm-hmm. and I actually love it. I'm on their advisory board now. Oh, I'm, nice! I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. Um, I love it because I just. I think it's good.
1: Is it a set it and forget it kind of deal?
2: It is. It's the kind of like you configure it and it just works.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's I think that's a good option for a lot of people. Yeah. I actually like Podio <clears throat> until it just kind of started falling apart. Um but you know like I've been in this game for a long time. And we used to use infusionsoft. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get into that? I did. Yeah. Right? So FusionSoft was awesome if you could customize it to the level right. that it needed to be customized. Right. <clears throat> I think podio is in that category. I think podio is everything FusionSoft wanted it to be, truthfully. Yeah. But I think podio is good if you guys are using podio. But yeah, I think if you're looking for a set and forget it, it sounds like REI simply is a great option. Yeah. Right. If you want something to customize. Salesforce is an 800 pound gorilla. Of course. And there's no right or wrong option, truthfully. It comes down to preference, right? Yep. What makes more sense for you if you're in a position where you like to have a standard platform that's consistent mm-hmm. a lot of users? Re yeah. simply. Re-simply. Re-Simply. Yeah. Re simply is the way to go. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic option. <clears throat> if you're someone that can't stop tinkering like myself, Yeah.
2: And that's how I am too. Like I got on Podio. I was like, I'm gonna change this. I'm gonna change this. I'm gonna change this. And I I couldn't go to bed at night. You
1: can't stop tinkering. Couldn't go to bed. Yeah. There were lots of nights. I remember one time with Infusionsoft, I was customizing something. I was setting up the texting automation. I was like, let's test this real quick. And I did. And I sent 215 text messages at two two o'clock in the morning. Right. Because that's how late you're staying up with your tinkering. Right. I got a lot of angry text messages. Oh, I'm sure, <clears throat> but I think I got one or two deals out of it too, so it was worth it. Nice, right? I have people. I guess they were clubbing or working late. I don't know. They text back, "Sorry, I haven't got back to you." Like, who texts back at two o'clock in the morning? Sorry, I haven't got back to you. But that was awesome. So, right now, are you more focused on wholesaling or flipping?
2: So, right now, the majority of our <clears> transactions <throat> we do, we'll do another hundred this year, is wholesaling. We'll. We'll kind of cherry pick the fix and flips ones that are easy simple because of the fact not that we're not capable we just know if we do too many big big projects over time over budget and i just don't want any part of that anymore right i just don't and with that said we are doing <clears throat> like an eighty thousand dollar renovation job right now on a project See, you know the the walls caving in um was a total hoarder's house but even if we spend $100,000 on it, my partner and I were talking about it, we can't get hurt on it because we have that big of a spread. right? There's there's eighty to $100,000 we can make on the deal, so we're not going to get hurt. But we, we definitely cherry pick, and then anything that pencils as a rental, we'll do that. And then the other part of the business that I'm most passionate about is the community aspects, right? the, the meetups that we're doing, the roadshow that Stratton Brown, Jason Pritchard, and I are going to do and the coaching that I'm doing, because to take people that are, like, maybe not fully believing in themselves, I mean, you're you're on the path to create 100 millionaires, right? right. Mm-hmm. That, why are you passionate about that?
1: I think it's part of one of those things, you know, growing up poor, like, coming into this country as a refugee, right, immigrant, um, living in a mobile home park. Wow. Right? You see, like, what can happen, yeah, <coughs> when you have money, yeah, right, so you have options, and I think that for me, this can lead to cancellation. So for me, having had everything taken us from us due to communism in China, yeah, and having it happened again in Vietnam, I want to spread the gospel of entrepreneurism. Mm-hmm. Can't become a millionaire speaking with a nine to five so you need a side hustle need to run a business whatever yeah so for me i'm looking to even create millionaires We can change people's lives and we can keep this capitalism train going because i feel like this capitalism training is kind of <laughs> staring a little bit right it's going maybe a little the
0: wrong way yeah yeah uh,
2: so that same passion you have For me to go from the NFL and basically walk away from that dream and have to start all over from scratch, and it was the mere fact that I believed in myself, took action, being able to help someone have that moment for themselves and guide them through it is pretty remarkable. Like That's super fulfilling. And because I organically started doing that through the Friends with Benefits program, I wanted to take it to the next level and good friends like Stratton Brown pushed me to do the coaching. Now I have my coaching program to where I'm helping people do their first deals to scale their business to doing more deals. And it's just super rewarding, right? Oh, it's incredibly rewarding. Yeah. So let's take
1: a quick commercial break and then we'll go into the audience's questions. Our two day sales disruptors event on December 8th and 9th is going to teach nervous house buyers our exact sales process to overcome all their objections, as well as establish yourself as the authority throughout the entire appointment. And for the first time ever, we're going to share how we apply our disruptive sales process to the disposition side of the business, which is more important now than ever before. Sign up right now at disruptors.com slash sales disruptors so that you can finish the year strong and dominate 2023. Not that one. Um, all right. So, um, mafia, or, what podcast was it? I'm not sure I understand that question. Uh, go green, go Green. sorry, on Instagram. How did you build your buyers list?
2: So started with just the good old-fashioned, organic, hitting the streets with who I already knew was buying because I was a, fl- a flipper. Um, but the best way to do it right now is to go to Facebook, go to your local groups, and let them know you got a deal, you want to sell it, give them some of the details of it, and you're going to get people that respond. The next best is to go to PropStream, and you can build a buyer's list right there, um, and Then when you get export that list out, you just go to Google, go to Google, you search their address, you find, or you search their company name. You see them on open corporates, right? You see who the owner's name is and then you go to true people search and you skip trace that person for free, try to find their contact info. So you do that grassroots, you know, free stuff. And then, um, another one is just Google. Like we buy houses in Phoenix Mm -hmm. or, uh, sell my house in Phoenix and you'll see who's spending money. To attract leads, they're right. going to be buyers or wholesalers, right? And either of those people can help you. So those are the the ways to start. There's the more advanced if you go to Investor Lift, right? Now you've yep. got the Ferrari and you got all your buyers just sitting in front of you, and you can skip trace them and do some of those same strategies to make contact.
1: Um, and I think just uh, real quick for everybody that's doing the Google Pay per click thing, don't click on the ad. <laughs> yeah. Just copy the URL. Nothing made me angrier than finding out the person spent. 45 of my dollars. Right. This is my inquiry. So but it's a great point, right? You know who's actively yep. buying houses. Um Alex on IG, how as a business owner were you paying friends and benefits who are in the industry, or do you mean licensing? <clears throat> how are you paying people friends and benefits?
2: Yeah. So the way it works is they bring us the lead, right? Or they bring us a deal under contract. And then we basically take over from there. So we'll work it as if it's our deal. We'll handle the the contracts. If it, they already had it under contract, we'll have them assign it to us for $0. Because Damn. we want to control that whole process, make sure it gets done. And then when the deals close, we write them a check for 50% of that. We'll wire it to them or PayPal or Venmo, whatever, right? Is easiest. yes. Um, and then we just 1099 them at the end of the year. Um, Aaron Jones is asking earlier, who you got? One on one, you're Carlos. Who got
1: one on one? What? Me or Carlos. Oh.
2: One on one.
1: That's not my that's not my question. You can't hurt my feelings. No, oh, that it, was an errant question.
2: It was gonna be a question that we need to talk, and I told him that I was gonna have to stare you dead in the eyes to know who was gonna win. So um it's gonna be a close game. Cause I, I think you got it. I think Carlos has got it too. He does. He um,
1: does. He surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a good shot.
2: I kind of want to keep it PC and say, I want to be at the game seeing it there, and then I'll know I'll know who won. I think I think uh it'll be a close <clears throat> game though.
1: We were talking about doing a pay-per-view event. See who will come. People will pay money for it. Yep. Um Thank you, Stephen, for the kind words.
2: Uh what are his links to follow? <clears throat> How could someone follow you? How could someone follow? So if you go to, to IG, Instagram, you can find me, Dean Rogers Real Estate. Uh, if you go to YouTube, it's just youtube.com forward slash Dean Rogers. Uh, you go to deanrogers.com, you'll, si- you'll see everything from my social media stuff to information about my coaching program. So um, I always tell people the power of networking on social media is so untapped. If you just want to like connect and nothing more, connect like right. let's let's start talking because that's where things start to happen it's crazy how <clears throat> there was a there was
1: a period of time right where all the money all the information all the control we're all controlled by the titans in the industry mm-hmm. <clears throat> and today you can reach almost anybody yeah through social media yeah right i haven't had elon musk retweet any of my stuff yet You'll keep trying, though. I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Right. But you can literally connect with almost anybody on yeah. this planet through social media. Yeah. And people don't necessarily leverage it. Yep. Um, are you changing anything with the market shifting? This is from Ralph Pena.
2: Yeah, great question. Uh, kind of like you said, I'm I'm going back to the basics. I'm looking at everything with scrutiny, um, making sure that our team is more dialed in with how we do things, our process. Um, our script. We are adjusting to what are some of the strategies that are going to be most effective when a market is shifting, such as creative financing. So We're a part of Pace Morby's sub-two community. right? Um, We have your sales training. We have all these different pieces of the puzzle that other great leaders in the industry are doing, and we're making sure that we're on top of it so that we're prepared. Um, I was just watching a Sean Terry webinar. He's talking about uh the bear market right is what his his spin on the the marketing was and talking about creative financing lease option purchases so we're making sure that we're not going to be behind the game we're trying to get out ahead of it um we're having to work a little harder right oh yeah i'm today was was texting a potential <clears throat> new hire for a disposition specialist um, to have them pounding the phones talking to buyers right what, what do you think about this deal? Where, what are your numbers at? And adding new buyers because you got to work a little harder right now. There's still deals happening, but get back to basics. Do only what's working, right? I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago at the event we had. Trimming the fat. Looking mm-hmm. at the marketing. Hey, I spent $10,000 trying this marketing for the past couple months. Gone, right? Didn't yield results. The other thing I'm trying, gone. These ones are the ones that are working. I'm going to focus on that.
1: Right. <clears throat> and it's something to always be diligent about, but even more so right now. Trimming the fat. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I was asking how I feel today. I actually feel fine, but my voice is just shot. Uh, on Facebook, Elizabeth, I want to collaborate to get my first deal. I want to start my first meetup in Chicago. Any tips for finding the first deal and starting your first local meetup? Those are two different questions.
2: Those are really good questions. Uh, The tip I would say for finding your first deal is to look at all your different hustle strategies. You got driving for dollars. You can go on Facebook Marketplace, right? Um, You can cold call. You can go get free lists from the county. Start calling those. Like, There's a lot of different strategies, but I'd get pretty focused on one of them. Driving for dollars is one of the best ones, I think, if you're just getting started, it depends on where your budget is. That's maybe uh-huh. a better question to, to ask back to the question hey. is do you have any budget for marketing? <clears throat> most people, the answer is no, I don't have money for marketing. So you want to focus on those free strategies and you got to put a lot of effort in and you got to realize that you're in the position where you might have to expend a lot more energy than you thought you had to just to get that one deal. And I think most people come sh- come up short because they put in all this effort and they thought it was enough. So they say, well, then it just doesn't work. Right. And they move on to the next strategy or they <clears> buy <throat> a coaching program or they just they just give up and don't do anything going forward. But you got to put a lot of effort in to get that first deal. <laughs> I love that you bring that up.
1: So because we hear people like, I can't get a deal. I can't get a deal. It's like, well, what are you doing? It's like, I'm making like 10 calls a day. How many deals are you expecting to get? 10 calls a day, right? So going specifically into your driving for dollars suggestion, how many houses do they have to drive by, drop a mailer, cold call, whatever, to maybe get a first deal?
2: Yeah. So Jamil made a good post the other day talking about you need to be talking to 30 people a day. You need to be talking to 30 people. And you need to be making, like, Five offers a day. That's a lot of effort. If you reverse engineer that, what's the effort you need to think about the different strategies or one strategy you're going to implement and then the effort that goes in behind that? So for me, there's there's a couple different things you could do with driving for dollars. I don't think you should go book up, you know, book on your calendar hours to go drive, like many hours, because a lot of people get burnt out doing that. I'd say just go drive for dollars on your route. where you're going the little secret is you know your destination's here go drive through the neighborhood that's before your destination and then the same on the way back and do that (coughs) everywhere you go Mm -hmm. and you're going to find houses in different places on a regular basis and just have that notepad on your dashboard and might that take more time but it's probably going to be more effective than you just trying to book off hours and go do it yourself the other little hack i would say is to to get the conversations up, is you need to be calling realtors and wholesalers on the deals that they have that they're posting on Facebook and realtors for deals um, like remodeled properties or fixer uppers on on the MLS, just calling them and asking them, letting them know what you're looking to do. You can start having a lot of conversations on a daily basis if you just do that. So I think people fall short because like you said, they, they made 10 calls within the day and and maybe less, and they're wondering where the results are. And then the next one was the... The meetup. Meetup. Yeah. So don't do it on your own. Like, if you don't have a presence, you don't have a business yet, don't do it on your own. Maybe go find somebody who is reputable and already has a business in the market. Maybe squat up with them to start it to help bring that attraction. Because if you just go do it on yourself and you don't have any like traction yet in the market people might be less interested. So that, I think, is the best way to do it. Um, and, yeah, go from there on post it on Facebook and all that. I think on top of that too,
1: um, when I started my meetup, <clears throat> I used meetup.com. That works surprisingly well. Yeah. So, I think meetup.com and then for me, even though it was my meetup, I, I invited other influencers. There you go. <clears throat> so I had Jamil Headline my first one. There you go. Right, it's nice to have Jamil in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this is 2018. Right. So having Jamil headline my first one. Uh, my last one was March of 2020. Was Chris Jefferson. Right. He does PTD with us. That was the last one I did. But having other people headline it is another way you can you can grow your your, your meetup. Yep. <clears throat> How
2: big is your team? This is from um, NS Solomon. Yeah, so we got eight people now. We got me, my business partner, we got two acquisition managers, we got an office manager, we got a marketing manager, and we have a leads manager. Um, and then we have another that we're gonna be hiring for dispositions. So that's gonna be the eighth person.
1: Office manager. Don't typically hear that in wholesaling operation. Yep. You hear that in realtor office or other Yeah. You know, I won't say more established industries, but more common industries.
2: So this person Talk to me wears about the this person wears a lot of hats, right? Ah. So this person uh, needs to have a great energy, great energy, need to be enthusiastic, and they also need to be able to juggle a lot of things. So our office manager is our transaction coordinator. She works with escrow, does all all of that, right? Um, and then she deals with. You know any contractors that we're dealing with. She deals with our property manager, anything related to our rentals, paying all of our bills, um, and then helping with everything else, right? Helping mm-hmm. with the events that we put on and everything else. So she's definitely the glue that helps keep us together. And I think her positive energy is is half of what makes her do so well.
1: <clears throat> Strand says, let's go, Dino. Collaborate to dominate. So with uh, Strand, what I was talking about, Can you guys comment, put in the comments here, would you guys be interested if my team, our sales training, trained Stratton's cold callers? Ooh. Right? If we take our sales training and combine it with Stratton's cold callers, is that something you guys would be interested in? Put in the comments, let us know.
2: Sounds like a no-brainer.
1: Sounds like it, but we'll find out. But collaborate to dominate. Sure. <clears throat> um and then how do you get your numbers right for your cash buyers when you start? This is from Sun Bonds.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think right now the real life adjustment is first and foremost, we already understand what numbers buyers are willing to buy at, not only because of the number of transactions we've done, but because we flip too. So when we look at the deal, we truly understand what is this house worth? Because we've put our money on the line time and time again. So here's the real comp. Second is we know what it costs to fix and remodel the property. So that's the next part. So what price do we need to buy it at? Or what price would an investor need to buy it at for it to be a deal? So we start there. Now, what are we adjusting to now with how the market's adjusting? We're backing about 10% off of our ARV just to be conservative. Because it's a moving target right now there's some people that are still very optimistic and are selling their properties and are confident and they're willing to buy. And then there's the other half of the buyers that are just like, oh, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna sit on the sidelines, unless it's a killer deal. So we're trying to, to capture a little bit of both and make sure that we've got a healthy deal that someone's confident to buy and it's not gonna make it hard for us, right? We'd rather do good deals rather than get a bunch of deals under contract and pretend like we're doing a lot and really not doing deals at the end of the day.
1: <clears throat> That's great, great point. A lot of people are focused on contracts instead of closings. Uh, Stratton also wants to know how much do you bench?
2: How much do you bench? Well, I'd almost rather say how much did I used to bench, <laughs> right? Uh, I think my shoulders took a beating in football, so uh, not quite the same. Um, but I did get my bench up to 400 back in the day. So I used 400. To- 400. I used to throw some weight around. Um, there were some strong, strong dudes I used to lift with that encouraged me. I mean, dudes in the NFL, you'd be lifting with strong safeties who are repping out close, be- close grip bench three thirty five. Really? Yeah. And uh, so that motivated me to lift more and used to throw the bench around. So <clears throat> back in the day, much much younger, I used to play a lot of pickup basketball,
1: lifetime fitness, mm-hmm. because that's where the NFL players would play. Those linemen, they're no joke, man. <laughs> don't move. Yeah, when they stick their arm out, it's not good defense. <laughs> yeah, That's what they do. Yep, they're an immobile object.
2: It's crazy. Yeah, that was so going back to the the NFL days, linemen being huge, overwhelming. Yeah, I remember distinctively the first game, pregame, one of the one of the starting left tackle. He was like, "Hey, Dean, let me uh, let me warm up on you." So I was like, "All right, I've done this before." So I stand there, and he he goes <clears> and <throat> punches my chest. Uh, he almost put a hole through my yeah. chest, dude. Their punches are like no other. Right. So strong, like I had to I had to gear up for the second one that he was coming with because it was just that powerful.
1: Yeah, they're immobile objects. Uh,
2: Mana also wants to know: Do you do Brazilian <clears throat> Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? I don't no. Um, I haven't done any wrestling, jiu-jitsu, anything like that. I do have my six-year-old uh, son who's been in Brazilian jiu-jitsu a couple times, um, but I haven't done it myself.
1: What is the best way to reach out to the bigger players on social media to get a response?
2: Yeah. So I go back to what I said. You're going to get someone's attention if you say, hey, so-and-so, hey, Steve, I got this lead right here. Here's the numbers. It looks like a good deal. All right. Would you be interested in working this deal with me? You just come out with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You got my attention, right? Like I'm interested. I might be running around busy, but like I want to. I want to give attention to that because right. I want to help that person, and it could be a great opportunity for both of us. Yeah, that's a win-win. So I think that's the, <clears throat> the no-brainer way to do it. That, that is actually leading
1: with value. Yeah. Um, are sellers more open to creative finance nowadays <clears throat> with a slowdown of the traditional routes?
2: Absolutely. And I think it all goes down to the na- comes down to the narrative that's in media. And the media is starting to talk about interest rates high, the market going down. So if you then come to the conversation with the seller of the same narrative and say, hey, well, here's my cash offer, and they're maybe not interested, I might have another option for you uh, that could be a good fit. I might actually be able to pay you a little bit more. Now their ears might perk up. Right. And now you have a conversation that leads to different options for them.
1: <clears throat> Follow-up question. Any tips for a newbie I'm about the jump all-in into real estate full-time?
2: I guess the question would be, what are they doing now? But I think I think there's no better time than now to get skilled up. Is it going to be as easy as the past two years? No. Because you could just find any deal and almost sell it. Instantly, right. but as people are, as Warren Buffett said, as people are greedy, you should be fearful. As people are fearful, you should be greedy. Right now, people are starting to let fear creep in a little bit more. And so because of that, now's the time to dig deeper and to get your skills up right. and to put more effort into seeking opportunity because the opportunities will get better and better. Yep. And, I've, <clears throat> you know, it's felt...
1: I hear this complaint, like there's too many wholesalers. That market's saturated, it's too competitive. I wish it wasn't so competitive and saturated. Well, guess what? It's not competitive or saturated anymore. Right. Might be harder. Yeah. What'd you ask for? Yep. Um, <clears throat> How was the biggest skill, or what was the biggest skill or mindset that served you in transitioning to real estate from football?
2: Yeah. Without question, it was the discipline that I got. Go making it to the NFL. I can tell you right now, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the smartest, wasn't the most athletic. It was the fact that I continued to put on film and in the game, get results, continued to stay healthy. Like you said earlier, I continued to get good sleep. In college, maybe the blessing I had was that I was still dating my high school sweetheart, who I ended up marrying, right? But I didn't go out and party. I wasn't out getting drunk, doing anything like that. Like I took football serious, I took school serious, and I had opportunities as a result that led yeah. me to the NFL. So I think it's just about being disciplined and consistently putting in the work. The other thing I like to say is I don't have a perfect day by any means. I, I don't wake up as early as you do to go play basketball. I don't have the miracle morning routine or anything like that. In fact, a busy schedule, like my, my full day calendared out, gives me anxiety. I don't like that. I like the freedom to be available for opportunities. And I like the uh, freedom of being able to just go work out during the middle of the day at lunch, right? right? So I think that it's just the fact of being consistent and disciplined is what will yield results and not giving up, just not giving up. Because I've been kicked in the teeth, I've been punched in the gut. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about those deals. Kicked in the nuts, like I've been hurt (laughs) bad. And that's emotional pain, physical pain, financial pain, right? And it's just being able to push through that and not give up is, is the ultimate win. <clears throat> How do you bounce back from all that, right? Is that? Yeah. That, is that the discipline?
1: Um, because you have staff and overhead, is there a minimum deal requirement amount for you to actually do the deal?
2: Yeah. Short answer is no. We don't want to step over money, but in our deal analyzer, we have in there defaulted 20,000. We want our, our minimum deal to be 20,000. Are we willing to make 5,000? If that's what's on the table, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to say, no, $5,000, I don't want you. But in our deal analyzer, we put 20000 and we do our best to make an offer below that so that we have room for negotiation or room for a better deal.
1: <clears throat> and what do you look for in
2: any of your potential hires? Someone that just is determined. Um, I think there's too many people who might check a box or do something like that, but like Are you going to show up? Are you going to really put in the effort? Um, Like, I have several people on my team right now that just go the extra mile. They go the extra mile. And they're going to continue to make more money as a result and make the company better because of the effort they put in.
1: Uh, How do you determine that? How do you determine that in an interview or in the recruiting process?
2: Yeah, so... One of the tips I got from Tiffany and Josh High um, is that the question, one of the questions that they like to ask, that I haven't put the test yet, but I know I know that it will work because um, I haven't hired anybody since uh, l- learning this tip from them. But is to ask what what are their role models and what are the or or people that they look up to, and what are the um, characteristics of those people, right? If they say that they're hardworking, they're loyal, they're dedicated, right? They hustle, different things like that. That's pretty encouraging, right? Um, if it's just that, oh, they have a ton of money, right? They're they they party a lot and have a good time. Eh, I don't know. Maybe right. that's not the right fit. I <clears throat> love to travel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, what marketing channels is your marketing manager handling?
2: Yeah. So we have. Uh, Direct mail, okay? So that's where they probably spend the most amount of time is figuring out what's working, what's not, because there's lots of different lists that we're mailing to. Um, They'll work with the cold calling team to send them the list that we're we're cold calling. Um, And then we get some of our data from outside providers, outside of uh, PropStream and some others that are directly from the city. So we'll work through that, right? Um, And then most of the other marketing, set it and forget it. We have our PPC. We have uh, TV ads that we do. Um, so that's the main stuff that they work on is the data.
1: Another <coughs> person asked how much do you bench press? <laughs> um, what do you advise a newbie, a newbie to that's starting brand new to do it by themselves first or join a team?
2: So this advice came. I can't remember if it was Pacer Jamil at the event that we just had, and it was: you're probably going to make more money and learn more as a newbie. And if you got the stuff right to go join an established company and be with them for however many years, because they're already they've already got things up and running, they already have the opportunities. So by joining that organization, you can. Make money now and do learn the skills that you need to do it on your own. So my advice would not to be do it on your own at first and not to squat up with someone else new. Cause I think too many people, not not that squatting up is bad, right? We've been promoting squat up the whole time. But I think a lot of people, a new person will go to another person, new person, and and almost get married in like a business relationship and figure out oh, that person doesn't even want to work hard or they quit already, right? Um, And now they got this uncomfortable thing where maybe they're tied up in a business entity together. Like they got married before they even dated. Squad up, but don't partner up. Yeah. And me and my partner, we developed our partnership organically. We did flips for a year and a half before we decided, you know what? Maybe we should get an entity together since we're doing this.
1: I think this question has already been answered, but have you or any big players willing to do deals with people through social media?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. Social media is the easiest way to just get in contact with somebody and start a, start doing deals.
1: So as Xavier, that's who I was talking about earlier. What's your current team structure and how do you continuously build, up, build and skill up your team?
2: Yeah. So the team structure we talked about, um, but the build up and skill, as a leader, it's not a, it's not a one-time deal of training, right? You know those better than anybody. You have to practice. And it has to be constant practice. And and uh, what happens to people in game time situations is they default back to what they practice. And if you haven't practiced it enough or consistently enough, you're going to default to bad habits. So when I listen to calls sometimes, and and am reminded we need more training, it's because I hear some bad habits on the phone of saying certain things that just shouldn't be said or or you know, certain tonalities or whatever it is. So um, yeah, it's just about continuous practice. Um, <clears throat> are you constantly investing into your team, like products or events or something like that? I'd say at the beginning I wasn't, but I realized that this year, especially, that it's something that we got to do, right? Um, and And the best way to do it is through somebody else. It's almost the whole parent uh, situation, where as you as a parent go to tell your kids not to do something. This is better for you. They might not listen so well, but you have a teacher or you have some mentor or something tell them to do something. Oh, that's a great idea! Like, well, no kidding, I've been telling you that, right? It's the same thing with your team. If you're the one that is the only one training them, in my opinion, not as effective. But you have someone come in as an authority and give training. They're a lot more attentive and take it more seriously.
1: Definitely a lot more receptive. Yeah. What market are you focused on currently?
2: Central California.
1: How much have you invested in masterminds or courses till
2: date? Hmm. Not as much as I should, honestly. Um, It's been about $50,000 probably so far. And anybody I've talked to that's at the same level or higher, I'd probably say more higher that I admire and look up to have spent a lot more. And I think that's a direct result of doing that. I'm thinking of the scene of
1: Wolf of Wall Street. Those are rookie numbers.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. But that's all right. You're still young. Um, what is your favorite real estate or business book or, or podcast?
2: Real estate disruptors, of course.
1: This, of course, after real estate Of course, of course. Second,
2: second's going to be Sean Terry. Yeah. Um, just because of his energy. And, um, you know, he's the OG that they got me in the game. So, I like that. And more recently, I like Alex Hormozzi stuff. I mean, he's, he's that hot chick on, uh, new hot chick on the block. And the stuff that he says is just fire. It's just good, straight to the point, very practical. I can put it in action right now type of stuff. I think it's really good. He's the hot chick again. He was
1: also the hot chick <clears throat> back in 2015. Okay. When I was first getting into the education space. Nice. It's funny. It's, it's amusing to see this evolution. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of like you see a Gary Vee. I remember a long time ago, 2005, my friends were like, You see this crazy guy who's just screaming at the camera on YouTube about wine? Who is this guy? So we watch him. He's like, This guy's insane. And now it's Gary Vee. Right. Always interesting to see this evolution. Um, <clears throat> besides financial freedom, what else do you love about real estate?
2: I'd say the barrier to entry. Um, anybody can do it, which is what's so exciting about it. Because, and the fact that there's no limits too. Like if you want to go buy, uh, you know, some skyscraper. There's nobody that can tell you no. There might not be a seller ready to sell it right now, but there's nothing preventing you from buying a multifamily deal, buying a single-family house, wholesaling a deal. Like there's zero barrier to entry, and 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 you know, we could get detailed and say, well, on some things you might need a license for this or something, or but in general, like real estate, there's almost limitless potential. If you want it badly enough,
1: you can make it work. What is your why? Uh,
2: it's just just about that financial freedom. That's really it. Um, I don't have like some big story that led up to, you know, a health scare or something like that. But it's been since day one, like I've I've wanted to be the person in my family that has changed everything, generally generation generationally, and it's yours seems pretty similar to that too, based on your your story. Um, and wanting to have impact. Like, I want to have amazing freedom with my family and be able to be present in their life as much as possible.
1: How, how do you feel that's going as far as uh, <clears throat> for your family?
2: Yeah. being that model? I think that's the struggle as an entrepreneur. When you get real about it, I think there's moments where I'm very present and the ability, because of the business that I have, to be at the games, to be a coach, to go the middle of the day for a school activity or whatever is there, but then there's other times where you're in grind mode and you're not there. You might be yeah. physically there, but you're not mentally there. So that's, that's a constant battle and struggle as an entrepreneur. And I think almost all of us would admit it. Mm-hmm. So that's something that my wife's good about reminding me about. Um, she does a great job at reminding me. She has to, it's important. She, she does have to. Um, and something that is, I think, a consistent thing to work on. What's your biggest struggle today? you struggle in business in general In general um probably feeling like i've done enough like feeling uh, i wouldn't say fulfilled because i do feel fulfilled but feeling like um enough's enough and i think as entrepreneurs we struggle with that versus i want to make a hundred thousand mm-hmm. boom i did it i don't feel any different i want to make Two hundred thousand or two hundred fifty, right? Now I want to make half a million. I want to make a million. It's like, well, what's, where's the next? Where do you feel like you've made it?
1: You're gonna keep moving that goalpost.
2: Keep moving it. Yeah, I got a million dollars in the bank right now. I still feel poor. That's is that good or bad? I don't know.
1: Well, it it kind of it kind of ties into our solvable problem, which is something we talk about on our Friday episodes of Certainty Talks. <clears throat> we, we we tend to have this move in the goalpost. I'll be happy when. Right. There's a <clears throat> somewhat mathematical way to figure out when that win is. And we can work on that together. Yeah. So, happy to work with you on that later on. Um, You've taken some ma- major body blows in the business. Yeah, I have. How do you keep going? How do you stay motivated?
2: That's a good question. Um, I don't know if it can be taught. I don't know what your I'll be curious on what your opinion is when I'm done, but I think it's just that internal drive, just not being willing to quit, being relentless, and just knowing that it's it's you against you. And I think when people can realize that and be willing to compete against yourself and push through the adversity and, and having done it, whether it's on a small scale or a large scale and gaining that self confidence is when you build that, that thick skin, that tough skin. So um, yeah, man, I've been beat down. (laughs) Yes, you have the mistakes I've made. They were large, big (laughs) mistakes at not good times. And I had to look at myself and there there were nights where my heart was pounding going to bed and my mind was racing like what's gonna happen next? Is there another bad thing that's gonna happen? And it was just knowing, believing in myself that I had to push through and it was it was me against me. So I do believe it's um <clears throat> a little
1: bit, innate, a little bit you're born with it. Mm-hmm. I think part of it's also your programming too, you know. Yeah, good point. I think uh, for us, you talk about growing up Asian. Failure was not an option. Mm. You were expected to get a hundred percent in everything. So I think that you're programmed to keep. Would you say that was good for you? I'm happy with it. I would say it's not without its flaws. Yeah. Right. I have issues because of it.
2: So growing up in sports and being good at them, I was then expected to always do good at them. Right. Right. And it's not like I was, you know, whipped if I didn't have a good game. It wasn't anything weird like that. But, but it's like, what happened, Dean? Yeah, it was an expectation. So I always, like, strive to, to be great, right? Yeah.
1: And then you talk about, you know, the the getting back. I actually took an assessment a week and a half ago. And the one I had the highest rating of all of it was a uh, bounce back ability. Wow. So it was 99%. I was like, man, that's good. Yeah. So you cannot keep me down that I can't fall down, it yeah, can't keep me down. Uh, what is your superpower?
2: I thought about this before. I think at this point, um, the superpower is definitely being consistent. And just, I keep showing up. Like, like athletes, you know, athlete to athlete. <laughs> Professionals play hurt, right? Um, hey, when I'm sick, not feeling good, I still show up. I'm right. not, I'm not taking a day off. Like, I'm not just, I don't feel like it today. So I think that's part of the superpower. Um, And I think the developing superpower is the ability to connect with people. Um, And when I'm with the person, build a good relationship, like a legit relationship to where we're, we're transferring energy and we're, Mm -hmm. we're both feeling it. Like we're both liking it. And I think that's helped me over the past year, two years. To really open up new doors and new opportunities and build these bu- business relationships that are fun and make a big impact you know
1: was it you that made that comment to Stratton which the, one the one he quoted the one where I was commenting athlete to athlete
2: yeah, I responded to that
1: no was was it you that was in his ear he, no. he, he quoted somebody
2: no 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 I didn't I didn't uh, tell him to post that
1: mm. <clears throat> what was some other people say is your superpower?
2: Um, I'd say hard work. I'd say, um, genuine, um, humble, um, good person. Like I, I only say that because I tested this out at an event I was at. They Mm -hmm. were like, text three friends and see what they say about you. That's, that's what people think about you. So I sent the three texts and they were all like in that category. Right.
1: That's awesome. Right. And that's the exercise. That's the way. The only way to find out. That's the only way to find out. Yeah. Um, how did you learn your greatest lesson? Did we already cover that one? Or was our next lesson?
2: Did we covered it? Yeah. I, I got. It's just so obvious sometimes. Just make the extra phone call. <laughs> just make the extra phone call. Like you said, it could even be a referral. Someone in your trusted circle. Yeah. I, I had someone call me the other day, and I had this gut feeling that I needed to dig more. So I, I actually did it. I listened to my gut feeling, which sometimes I ignore it. Mm-hmm. Gotta listen to it. Um, and it was like, well, ask them if they've done this before, right? And then now you can find out if they have or they haven't, right? It, and you'll get your answers if you just ask questions and ask other people. Right.
1: What book have you gifted more than any other?
2: Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
1: What was the... What was the effect you found from giving those books out
2: it felt good it felt really good to potentially create an opportunity for someone to have a breakthrough moment and it doesn't have to be real estate's the way the only way it's just that shift in the uh worker mentality the employee mentality versus the entrepreneur mentality the business owner the investor right Mm -hmm. um and i that's what i love about that book it's just so simple and anyone can understand it And that just can have the break the glass moment, like, "Oh, now I get it."
1: Yep, I got a chance to meet Kiyosaki a couple weeks ago. Amazing. He's um very different person.
2: What's say? What's he like in person?
1: He's at that age where no one's opinion matters anymore. No filter. No filter. And he's already made up his mind. (laughs) He's already made up his mind. There, you're not going to convince him of anything. That's fascinating, right? That is, yeah. Um. So, but. Obviously, right? Impactful, change a lot of lives. Yeah. Uh, I want you to think about something you want to leave all the listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements. Guys, if you found this valuable today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us connect with more people. We do have our sales disruptors event next week. So if you're interested in checking that out, go to millionairesupport.com, talk to my team, and we have part in the disruption tomorrow. I hope my voice is back by tomorrow. Um, trash talking is really important part of that show I gotta bring it and then we got Bob the Chance coming on the show next time so make sure you tune in next time what
2: are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with yeah so the two things I'd like to just <clears throat> let sink in for people is um, Tony Robbins had a, a powerful message right and his was that you're one relationship one person away from a lifetime's Worth of income, so if you think about that, right? You and I meeting today could develop into something that could radically change our life and create a lifetime worth of income just from this Mm -hmm. one interaction that we had, right? Or maybe someone that knew me, saw the show, now now knows you as a a result, or vice versa, has a, a connection with one of us and now creates a lifetime worth of income for them or for me, and it just becomes the snowball effect. So by going and putting yourself out there and meeting people, being yourself and coming with a good attitude and positive energy can open up a lifetime's worth of income. I think that is insanely powerful. Yes. Very powerful. So, uh, there's that. And then, uh, I had one other one that has left my mind. Um, uh, can't think of the other one, but yeah. No, that's that's the biggest takeaway for sure. <clears throat> How can someone get a hold of you? So just go to deanrogers.com, all my socials on there, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff, connect. I'm telling people connect because when you connect with people, new things develop, like I already said. And Dean's a friend with benefits. Friends with benefits, yes. Cool, thank
1: you. Awesome, man. Thank you guys for watching, see you guys all later. Shout out to Steve
0: Train. Jump on the steam train, train. we real estate disrupt us.